the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 888 San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Got to got to have a little name recognition in that intro, right, Jacob? Why, sir? <laughs> and his faithful teacher and mentor and hero. <laughs> Can I build you up any more than that? Jacob is indeed along with us tonight, and uh, we're excited. I am excited, particularly. I guess we both have a little bit of excitement about tonight's program because it features two really great programs, both from. Uh, Jewish and Christian background, the Book of Lamentations. I think it's unparalleled in terms of its pathos, in terms of its poetry, in terms of and, and it represents such an important moment in the life and the history of Israel. With the uh, in 586 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar came down and uh, destroyed the city of Jerusalem, his armies, and uh, we've been talking about it. Of course, along with uh, the prophet Jeremiah, who was there to try to prepare the people of Israel for that moment, trying to warn them, trying to help them, alert them, avert this disaster. And yet uh, it took place. And we then have this book of lamentations, of weeping, of grief about the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. And so we have Lamentations, and uh, it's got some surprises for us tonight. Jacob was just telling me that last week we talked about the fact that, let me see, let me get it straight, Jacob, what do you say? You, last week we introduced several uh, facts that I was unaware of. I, 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 I learned them and then I forget them, but I have to remember this, that before that destruction of the temple and of the city of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar in 586 B.C., uh, we learned that the from from Jewish history, this is not a, it doesn't have a scriptural base, right? This idea that uh, uh, what seventy? How many copies of it? No, forty. About forty. Forty. 
about 40 copies or uh, replicas of the How Ark of the Covenant. How could you expect anything but the number 40? Right, yeah. <laughs> that's a, well, it had to be either 12 or 40 yeah, or 7. 7 12, or, yeah, 40, yeah, yeah. come on. Yeah. Uh, but uh, created these replicas and sent them at different places uh, to protect that important symbol. Mm, and to, that's correct, yeah. To... Um, throw people off in terms of where the real one was. Now, that's that was introduced. And then we, uh, you mentioned the fact that there's a, a very detailed list of the items that were taken from Jerusalem and then later returned by uh, Cyrus, uh, the Persian Empire. But that we have this detailed list of these items, the instruments and utensils that were taken from the uh, temple. And very clearly and very noticeably missing among them was the Ark of the Covenant. This, That's correct. This principal item. So, the, mm. so th- that has raised the question about where is the Ark of the Covenant? And then I think you'd mentioned to us that Jeremiah, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 3, he, uh, you referenced a verse there that seems to say that, that, that it was hidden, that Jeremiah, they call it Jeremiah's hiding place? Yeah, hideaway, hideaway, uh-huh. Hideaway. And that the Ark of the Covenant was hidden. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, it says, uh, tells, God tells Jeremiah, uh, basically, hide the Ark, and don't worry. Everybody will forget where it's at. And to, in today's world, <laughs> we we have, says, so where is it? We've France, all, yeah. Ethiopia. Okay, well, uh, tonight's program, folks, is, is we're going to continue now on into the book of Lamentations, and then... Uh, we jump over into the New Testament pass- books, and we take up the remarkable, amazing book of Hebrews. Now, to me, I, 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 it's just a perfect, uh, a perfect evening. These these two books are so important to us, uh, both as Gentile believers, those of us who've come into the Jewish faith by means of our faith and our trust in uh, the Messiah Jesus. Uh, and by faith, and we, we believe that he is that redeemer, that savior uh, that gives us a confident, secure relationship with the Lord and with God himself. And so we, we to us, it's, it's, it's so amazing because uh, it's, I, I was warning Jacob tonight, I'm going to be on one of my, my Jesus tears. I mean, you know, you've often talked about how. Well, now, I, is that spelled T-A-R-E-S? No, no, T-E-A. Oh, I just want to make sure. We're going to be. Uh, okay. You're talking about uh, Jesus, you know, I, and this is we've talked about several times that you've mentioned how uh, one thing that uh, that you've admired or that you've noticed in terms of the Christian faith is that how enthusiastic and how joyful and how excited yes. the, the enthusiasm that believers have about Jesus and about the Lord and knowing and, and uh, it is uh, it, I, I don't know I don't know about the contrast or the comparison that you might be able to make. But it is something that I, I I see now that we are truly just we're kind of we are Jesus freaks. We we really are excited about who he was, what he did. I mean, it's just amazing. It's astounding. Uh, we we both worship him. We admire him. We he's our friend. He's you know he's he's just taking this wonderful position and place in our lives uh, in in that bridge between us and the Lord, helping us to to be in that confident, secure relationship with God. And the Book of Hebrews. Is all about that. It's about uh, uh, Jesus being superior to the prophets and the angels. Jesus is superior to Moses and the priesthood of Aaron. He's superior, you know, to the, uh, he, it's just the superiority of Jesus and you know the the uh, the beauty and the power of and the majesty of 
the uh, the gospel message uh, in Messiah. So it is it is a great evening for us. So let, let's and, and you're going to tell us uh, put this out there too. You you're you're saying that in the book of Lamentations now, yes. Jeremiah actually um, yes tells us in for, where the ark is hidden. Uh, in Jeremiah, because he wrote Lamentations. Right, same that. guy. Uh, I always thought that's when he had the book of Jeremiah laminated for his wallet, but it's just la- it's Lamentations. So thought, <laughs> Lamentations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, 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 but... Um, but yes, there, actually... The, it's there he, in the book of Lamentations. He explains huh? it in, in chapter 3 of Jeremiah. He said, God says, and Jeremiah records, well, hide the ark, they'll forget where it's at. Well, there's actually a f- paragraph... That explains, if we understand it correctly, where the ark was hidden. Well, you're going to uh, open that up for us tonight. And frankly, uh, the question our listeners may have is the same one I I have. is How do we know all of these things? Where do you get this information? And, it, it, you know, is this are these things really true? And so I'm going to ask you to kind of give us a little bit of your, your research, where this comes from, how do right. we know these things? And, and what would be the implications of them? You know, in in today's world, uh, you mentioned to me that they have something to do. They we the the location of the uh, Ark of the Covenant was it s- at least in some measure, in some way, related to the uh, the uh, destruction of the two the twin towers in New York City. On uh, yeah, a lot of people don't realize 9/11. this when you say how come they hit the twin towers. A lot of people will say that well, on nine eleven, the date was because the date, and this is correct, when the Muslims actually lost Europe, the Islamic world lost Europe to the Christians. And so on that date was a rehearsal date and a return to the date. Now, we've done the same thing. After the war with uh, Saddam Hussein, Mm -hmm. 10 years to the day, on the very next day, we began again when George W., the son, took over. So it's a coordinated thing. It's like Mm -hmm. 10 years didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So when the, the Muslims hit the Twin Towers, it was like on that date when they actually had lost Europe. Now, why? The Twin Towers. People say, well, it's the financial economic centers of the world. Symbol of Western civilization, that sort of thing. But this is a religious thing. It's not about economics. Now, economics can destroy a country, we understand it, but the ultimate goal is about religion. Now, in the it has to do with prophecies. Well, both both, uh, Islamic and even. Jew, Judeo-Christian well, prophecies? No, well? not, not, Christ, not Christian or Jewish. So Mainly much. Islamic. It's, it's Islamic. Okay. Uh, of course, they've got the Quran and they got the Hadith. Well, they believe that the last jihad war will be 100 years before the entire world is conquered and becomes Islamic. It introduces the period of 100 it, years. It uh, does. And what is the a name for that, too, isn't it? That the 100 year period? Uh, yeah, there is. But is that the. the, the um, Caliph? Ka- well, they're going to reestablish the caliph. Okay, all right. But the, uh, but the 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 hundred years, the last hundred years, when Islam actually makes the Dominates world Islamics, them. it begins with the collapse of the two great towers, of of the great Satan. And this is in the Hadid, which is uh, the commentary, the commentary for the, uh, Quran. the Quran. That's correct. And so these two great towers of the great Satan. 
must collapse. And that begins the 100-year war. So when I hear people talking about, oh, we're like we've been in Afghanistan for 16 years or whatever it is and all this other stuff, and we're going to go out in two or three years, we're going to try to bring peace. The religious people committed to this idea in Islam have no intent of letting three or four years solve this. They believe that was the beginning of a 100 and final war of jihad to conquer the world and make it okay for Islam. And they also, of course, they believe that the what they call the 12th Imam, the Mahdi, which is roughly equivalent to a, a Christ figure in mm-hmm. Christianity, that he will be, he may be alive today, and he will be leading the march towards that end. So, so the collapse of the tower, so it does have something to do with that. Now, why that's important about our study tonight is that um, it it is understood. And I think I mentioned this previously, that uh, we all know the people in the stories about where is the ark, where is the ark, Ethiopia, France, uh, Calais, other places. But the Jews, and that did. relates a little bit to your yes information about the sure. forty copies that were put. Elsewhere. It was yeah. meant to confuse people, they, I suppose. Yeah, they made it and made a big production when they'd send it out. So people say, "Oh, there goes the ark." Well, we're going to find out tonight. We found out in chapter 3 of Jeremiah that God said to Jeremiah, hide it. We're going to find out where he hid it tonight. In the book of Lamentations. Uh, mm. and, and, and the obvious any question is, as to well, where, what right. chapter it's in? Sure. Chapter? Oh, you want an answer? Just a hint. A hint would be chapter 5. Okay. The, yes, la- so. the last chapter. So folks can run to their Bibles and look it up well, and try to so, see if they so can. I, I should say some versions of Lamentations <laughs> only has four chapters, so if it's four or five, okay. it'll be the last chapter. The last chapter. All right. And then people's got, people are going to ask, well, if they know where it's at, how come they haven't found it? And wait till you hear the response to that. <laughs> Why haven't we found it? Yeah. Uh, I think I know what the response to that's going to be. We, we, uh, some believe and suspect we actually have found it. Uh, only one, one little response to what you just said was that uh, in some way this, this, uh, this Islamic uh, hero or, or savior or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, the Mahdi. To some the degree, relating to the, the the Christ figure uh-huh. instead of Christianity, yes. but uh-huh. actually, the the Christ figure is not a Christian concept. Remember that, right? You do remember Messiah, that. of course, is is a Judaic yeah, concept. Too. It's it's a. And, we, you know, we, we, just, we just we're just adding eating on the bu- apple from you guys' tree. All right, uh-huh. no, it's well, not. No, it's our tree, and you're certainly welcome. You cannot. Thank st- you. You cannot be arrested for stealing from yourself. We're so, we're we're. You're you're very generous with but, your But trees. I will say this. The interesting thing for me is what's called the 12th Imam or the Mahdi is his characteristics and what he will do. It is almost an antithesis of the Messiah, of the Christ, or Jesus, uh-huh. if you like. Is and that right? It's almost the opposite. And so some people have speculated, well, maybe that's the antichrist yeah, but yeah. at any rate interesting that interesting. it's almost opposite poles i found i always found that interesting well, well there is a lot there in, in both of these books and of course as i said the book of hebrews is it's really all about jesus i i i, I love the, the book, book. It, it's, yeah who wrote the book of hebrews you know hey you could use that for a question who wrote the book of hebrews it, uh, by the way we do have some questions don't we yeah. maybe you'd like to sound off maybe you'd like to uh-huh. uh Answer, talk, give up an opinion, you, you give a thought a about number? any of this. We have a phone number, 340-9585, 340-9585. That's our uh, phone number. 
you can give us a call. We'll bring you right up on the air uh, and uh, let you be a part of the program this evening, The Bible Live. So um, go ahead and get on the phones if you'd like to comment on any things that Jacob or I have said or the passages that we're reading and commenting on tonight. Do we have a, uh, someone on the phone already? There's something written on on John's sheet there. Oh, and John was giving instructions. Oh, okay. Uh, there's not a name on the. Okay. Well, then, if you'd like to call, the lines are open, so you uh, can get right in. 340-9585. We always give you a few questions to kind of prime the pump a little bit from these passages that we, in our reading schedule that we emphasized this past week. Uh, From the Psalms, um, this is an interesting uh, passage from Psalm 119. Now, uh, I really the Psalm 119 is in the first place it's the longest psalm in the among the psalms the uh, longest chapter in the Bible I believe with 150 verses uh almost every verse has to do with the scriptures it it is a it is a celebration of the beauty the power the reliability uh, the trustworthiness of the the uh of the scriptures of God's word, uh, a number of different terms are used to describe you know his his commands, uh, his statutes, uh, and so on and so on. There are different terms for the word, but it, uh, two questions I want to give you is one, according to Psalm one hundred nineteen verse twenty seven, God not only gives us His word, but He also comes to us personally and shows us something very important. What is it that He also shows us? That is very important from Psalm 119, verse 27. He, he gives us his word, and he, always show, and he always shows us something else as well. That's question number one. And then I want to ask you, according to tradition, uh, Jewish, Hebrew tradition, who, may, who is it that is thought to have written Psalm 119, this particular psalm with 150 verses and so on? Who do we think wrote the book, uh, the, the uh, chapter one nineteen, and you won't be surprised by the answer if once you know it, uh, because it's someone who is decidedly and very um, clearly committed to the scriptures. Uh, it, it, we've talked about him quite often, and in fact, is he has his own book in the Hebrew Scriptures. If, if you'd like to know a little, have a little hint. All right, who wrote the Psalm one hundred nineteen, and then uh, Psalm uh, Proverbs from the Proverbs twenty seven verse six. There is something from a friend that is better than many kisses from an enemy. And it might surprise you surprise you what it is. Psalm 27, verse 6. What is it that you, rec- you can receive from a friend that is better than many kisses from an enemy? Hmm. Very interesting. And I, I think it's, it's one of those really deep, profound proverbs uh, uh, from the book of Proverbs. So th- let's go on then and... Um, uh, we did actually read the last two chapters of the book of Jeremiah, and there are a couple of questions there. I like question number two, actually, because it kind of sums up uh, one of the fundamental messages of Jeremiah. It says, during Jeremiah's 40-year ministry, Israel was conquered, Jerusalem and the temple was de- were destroyed, the national treasures were taken away into Babylon, and thousands and thousands of Jewish leaders were killed or taken captive to Babylon. So why is Jeremiah considered to have been a success, a successful <laughs> prophet? <laughs> it's a, 
you wouldn't think if, if, if that was the record of a president, of course, we probably would not reelect him. Uh, of course, Jeremiah was not elected. He was appointed and assigned to this uh, woeful duty by God himself. But uh, why is it that we today consider Jeremiah to have been a very successful servant of God? All right. You have an answer, a thought about those? Give us a call, 340-9585. Shall I go ahead and get yeah, uh, let's Timothy go ahead, on the line? He's, he's anxious. So All right. He's let's right see what Timothy has to say tonight. Hi, Timothy. I'm glad to talk with you. Hi. Um, I'm sorry I didn't catch your uh, questions earlier. I, I don't, you know, some of those things are very interesting. Uh-huh. I mean, I always, I always thought that uh, David wrote the Psalms. Yes. I'm not sure about that. Well, and, um, wrote a, a great number of them, but not the tradition tells us that someone else wrote this one. I think I could probably uh, give you a hint. Uh, it's someone who was famous in the in the Old Testament uh, as part of his book. He actually read the uh, Torah. Read, I guess it was more or less the book of Deuteronomy. He read the book uh, of the Torah to the people of Israel, those who had returned from. Uh, the exile in Babylon. He and it was a rainy day, and he read the scriptures to them in the rain. Is that right? Is that am I getting the picture right? Yeah. And um, do you happen to remember who that was? It, it does no, I sure don't. I'm really anxious to know, and that that sounds really good to learn. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's very committed, highly committed to the scriptures. I, I, I'm going to leave it out there just a little while longer, Timothy. But then you'll you'll when I, when you hear the answer, you're going to oh yeah, that makes sense. He he was always very committed to uh, the scriptures. But there are a number of questions. I, uh, go ahead, go could, ahead. Mm-hmm. Could I ask you another question? Have you ever seen the the video marching to to Zion? Yes, Jacob has. Very, I, I have probably, and, and <laughs> I have, I've I've learned more things and seen more things. Uh, but I've forgotten more than I've learned and seen, Timothy. Sometimes I forget. If you g- give me a hint as to basically its theme and what it's about, and maybe I'll remember seeing it. I'm not sure. Well, it's telling how Israel let this, uh, you know, d- they denied Christ as their Messiah. And when Jesus said that I am not, I and my Father are one, and since you do not accept me, you do not accept my father, and you are the house of the of Satan. So, you know, it kind of puts a, a light on what has happened with the Jewish people. And we always were taught that we should support them. But uh, from this uh, video, I, I, you know, there's a lot of questions about that, and I'd like to know more, mm-hmm. but... Sure. You know, it's it's involved and it's very eye-opening. How long ago did you see it? I'm I'm kind of curious as to how uh how long has the video been around? What is it called again? Tell me the name. Marching to Zion. Marching to Zion. Uh, did you see it a lot of years ago or No, it the, about last week sometime. I see. How it's about that? an hour and a half. How about that? I, I, I suspect it's on Google or something. You could look it up. In, in well, Google YouTube has, you know, you just type in Marching to Zion. Okay. And it's their full-length uh, video there. All right, Timothy. I, I, you know, I think I might do that. I really enjoy some of those. Um, I remember recently seeing that famous movie from uh, the um, the uh, uh, 
prisoners in during uh, in Germany during World War II. They yeah. were in and they they put God on yeah, trial. Yeah, it's called God on trial. God you can you can watch that free on the uh, internet also on, on YouTube as well. Yeah. That, that's some great great content there. Uh, Therefore, I mean, there's some terrible things as well on the internet, but there are some good things that we ought to take advantage of. So uh, uh, marching to Zion. Now you you've seen it, Jacob, and the only thing I would say to Timothy is. When we talk about, you know, the people of Israel and their response to Messiah, to Jesus and so on, I, I, I'm kind of learning to be very careful about the generalization that, that the, you know, all the Jews rejected Jesus and so on. The, although, uh, you know, there is a sense of, to that, I understand. But remember, almost all of the early believers uh, and leaders uh, of the movement for following almost all of them were Jewish men and women. There was Peter. There was James. There were, you know, the, the, well, Jesus was a Jew himself. The Jesus himself. So we have to be careful about the the whole. You know, putting all of them in that category. And even today, there are millions of uh, Jewish men and women who love and admire and follow uh, Jesus as as Messiah. So, it, it, but I, I am intrigued by the thought, Jacob. What? What well, is I'd like to hear, uh, his name is Timothy, is Timothy, that correct? Uh-huh. Uh, hi, hello, Timothy. Hi, how are you doing? Hi. Don't worry, I'm not going to start that song about where did Timothy go. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know that song, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, don't worry, we're not going to eat you. Uh, well, the big thing I to hear there is Jacob singing. That's that's what you want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wouldn't want to hear me either. Uh, would you? Let's let's go ahead and give you a fair chance. And why don't you explain exactly? Because I know you were getting to the point there about uh, well, it says we should, and then you kind of trailed off. Feel free. Hey, you're among friends. We should what? Well, he was saying, he started saying, he said, we should uh, support Israel, but you watch this, and, and that's where he kind of Yeah, I see, I see. Uh So, why don't you go ahead and tell us your thought, and I'll be happy to respond. Well, you know, I I really don't want to draw from, I mean, uh, draw away from what you're bringing up, because it's really interesting, but this thing really opened my eyes about some stuff that I never even saw or or heard of. Now, I've, I've heard people tell me that uh, the original language of the Bible, you know, was for some places in it that uh, if you knew the real, I mean, you know, how they, uh, the, we, we've had it interpreted by uh, the king, the what's his name, uh, his uh, people there, you know. Talking about King James? Yeah, King yeah. James. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I, could, uh-huh. I don't know. I'm blank. But anyway. They, they, they say, well, you know, in the original Greek, it might have a little different meaning, but I don't think it took away from what the, the, the true meaning was. You know, I mean, I don't know. What it's do you just think like the they think. was originally written in? Let's start there. I would say Greek or whatever. Um, and, uh, Already, our first segment is gone. Can, Timothy, can you stay on the line? We have to take a quick break here at the bottom of the hour, but we come right back. Can you I sure will. Us? Yes, I will. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. We will come right back to you, folks. We'll be back in a moment as well. Continue our discussion of the book of uh, Lamentations, the books of uh, 
Bishop Jeremiah, and also the great book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Uh, all of them have this wonderful theme, continuing theme, the relation, and we're just exploring that relationship between the Jewish people, the Jewish Messiah, and the great influx of believers from the Gentile communities. Come right back. We won't go, don't go away. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Married people tend not to talk. You've heard that strong communication is vital to a good marriage, but do you know why? Bob Craning explains on Focus on the Family Minute. And then they hit a problem and they don't know how to talk. And it's unbelievable that we learn in marriage how not to talk. That's hard to believe, but we do. I think a lot of it has to do with being together all the time. I think it has to do with children. Our kids begin as they're small. They tend to monopolize conversations. And we get to where we don't communicate well together on a one-to-one. I think it's one of the reasons that men find it difficult to pray with their wives. That's a big factor in Christian marriages. Husband and wives don't pray together. And I think one of the big reasons is they don't communicate well, therefore they don't pray well. Do your marriage a favor. Talk with your spouse and pray together. If you do simple things like that, the odds of divorce will be greatly reduced. More from Bob at FamilyMinute.org. Have you seen a family divided over property after losing a loved one? Have you known someone who spent months or years fighting in court to receive the property that was left to them? Unfortunately, I often see families fighting in probate court. Wouldn't you like to avoid this situation? I'm Charlie Weisinger, board-certified estate planning attorney with Weisinger Law Firm. At Weisinger Law Firm, we can help you put a plan in place that avoids probate so your loved ones never have to set foot in a cold courtroom. Many times that plan includes a living trust. Let my team help you achieve peace through planning to ensure your family won't be stuck fighting it out in court. Just call 210-308-0800 and we'll help you get a plan in place. We're located just north of San Antonio in Selma, Texas. So call me, Charlie Weisinger, at 210-308-0800. That's 210-308-0800 or WeisingerLawFirm.com. Weisinger Law Firm, peace through planning. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. Got the time, and I'm wasting it slowly. In this moment, I'm halfway out the door. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. By the way, we might add Timothy's name in there. He's uh, on the line with us today. We're talking about 
the Bible live, and we're in the books of Jeremiah, Lamentations, and the great book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Uh, although they are very uh, separate, they're very, by many years, by language, the, uh, the Hebrew scriptures having been written primarily in uh, in the Hebrew language, and then the New Testament mostly or primarily in, in uh, we understand, in Greek, um, perhaps Aramaic being a part of that. Only in, the, only in the book of Daniel. Only, okay. And then, uh, so there we have, we've been talking a little bit about it, and, and uh, Timothy has brought up the, this idea, and it is very central. Timothy, I don't think you should feel uh, in the least bit uh, hesitant. This, this is one of the great themes of the scriptures, is the relationship now between the the people of Israel, the, this people group that God chose to use and to bless uh, as an instrument of revelation to the, the entire world, uh, to the nations of the world, and how their their relation. And now, as in the coming of, of G- Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah in the first century, obviously they were not a hundred percent, you know. Believers, there were a great number who followed and responded to uh, Jesus' preaching and his presentation of himself as the Messiah, uh, the, but others did not. And and uh, you were just talking about the fact, some of the consequences. Uh, are those consequences, Jacob? And I'm, I'm sure this well, is the first uh, he was, time you've he heard was these just kind of going things. to finish his thought, though. Could okay. Because I'd like uh, Timothy, go ahead and if you can quickly, quickly, kind of sum up what your thought is about the movie and your position, your thoughts on it. Well, you know, it's it's like all my life, and maybe um, you know that, that I thought that God uh, was going to bring them. And, you know, they think that they're going to be saved no matter what they do. And I, this thing kind of highlights the fact that Jesus said, you know, because you're not, um, and you haven't accepted me, you're of the of the house of Satan, you know, or something of that. Now, wording. John chapter 8. Yeah, but uh, Timothy, now, are you quoting it from the movie or from the text itself? Because I believe in the text itself it says he's talking to a particular few people, not to the entire nation of Israel. And so, uh, actually, what you're talking about is he's talking to some people he's obviously having a conflict with. So, So, is it your thought that what's happened to the Jews? is because of their rejection of Jesus. And first of all, before you answer that, I want to tell you something. I am really, really give you, I give you a lot of credit and a lot of praise for having a, a, enough word for all to be honest enough to call and ask this question. These are This is a question people would really like to discuss sometimes, but some people are very timid. Not that your name is Timothy. Uh, but, and they don't want to talk about that. But I, I really give you a lot of credit for that. So is that kind of well, what you're suggesting? Yeah, I mean, I, I just turned 70 years old, and the older I get, I to see how little I know, you know. Ah. It's just, you know, so much to learn. And, uh, well, you know what Mark Twain said. Everybody, you know what Mark Twain said, right, Sophie? No, what? He said he could, The older he, I get? You know, he, yeah, he said, uh, when I was 15, I couldn't believe how dumb my father was, and by the time I got older, at 25, I couldn't believe how much he had learned. <laughs> That's, true. That's, true. That's true. But okay. uh, you know, let's go ahead and address that. I do know what you're talking about, and I think you probably would agree with me that whoever makes a film probably does it with a certain point of view. Very few people do it with no objective and no agenda. But you know, uh, so help me locate here in Jeremiah. 
uh, in chapter 33, verse 20. And I'm going to make a distinction about what you're saying about what's happened to the Jews and ultimate salvation. This is where people get these ideas very fuzzy. For example, allow me to read this. This is in Jeremiah from last week. Um, it says at 33:20, "Thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant for the day and my covenant for the night, so that the day and night will not be at their appointed time, then my covenant will also be broken with David, my servant, so that no one will, and he will have a son to reign on the throne, and with a Levitical priest, my ministers." As the host of heaven cannot be counted, and the sand of the sea cannot be measured, so I will multiply the descendants of David my servant and the Levites who minister to me. So he seems to be establishing a visual presence that there's something that we can determine about the length of his covenant, the moon and the sun, day and night. The day following the night following the day and the day following the night and so on. Yes. also, that's a, that's a great passage, Jeremiah 33, verse 20. That, it's a, yeah, yeah, very good one. Um, in Isaiah, you know, he's telling about, you know, they, they, he was, you know, bruised for our transgressions, and God, uh, you know. Yes. Yeah, we, loud, loud we spent a pretty, pretty good amount of time talking about Isaiah 53. Yeah. Uh, it, I, the, the the prophetic passage there that most of us take great great comfort and encouragement that he was describing the person and the work of well, the Messiah. Yeah, and let, let's let's uh, let's go ahead and deal with this particular issue. You said what happened has happened to the Jews. Actually, this is not a new thought. No, this is something that has been around for centuries, and it's always been a justification. In fact, some people thought it was okay to do it. Even Martin Luther wrote some pretty bad books about the Jews. But let's not talk about God and salvation and thinking that they somehow forfeited the salvation because when you began talking, you said something about, well, they think they'll be saved. Well, yes, they do. And they also think you'll be saved. But, I, but that is we're talking about the ethereal, the afterlife. We're not talking about the present life. So if we separate what we're talking about, the present physical life, and let's call it the afterlife. Those are two separate things. So when you're saying saved, yeah, that's one thing. But they're talking about the physical history of the Jews in the world. They certainly have not had a pleasant way to go. And, and a lot of people well, say that's because of them rejecting Jesus. Go ahead. Yeah, and they, and they bring up how many different countries have uh, kicked them out of their country uh-huh. and different things like that. And, uh, you know, it's like... The the um, when in 1948, 47, when they became a state again, our country again. Yes, 48. Yeah, and that, then uh, they, uh, you know, it wasn't, you know, like they say the United uh, um, League of Nations or whatever back then had, was the one that established. Right. But, it, you know, they say it wasn't of God, which I, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of things I'd like to know and like to discuss because you need to know what is true. And well, not, give not, a little history. That was uh, Count, uh, see, Lord Mon- Montalban that was in charge of that committee. Let me give you a little synopsis of that. They, uh, at one time, they said to a guy named Ben-Gurion, who was the first president of Israel, they said, look, 
you guys have been out of this land for a couple thousand years. These, these Egyptians that have adopted the name, because the Palestinians are really Egyptians, that have adopted the name uh, Palestinians because the Romans gave them that name because the arch enemy of the Jews were the Philistines. The Philistines. Mm-hmm. But they said, how is it that you can claim this land? And Ben-Gurion said, I have a document. And uh, Montemont from England said, well, you have a document? And he said, yes, I do. And he introduced <laughs> We have a the, receipt. <laughs> they have a receipt. Yeah. And, and he introduced the Bible. Now, when you pass a piece of land to somebody, you, you have to record buyer, seller, meets and bounds. In other words, the length and breadth of the land. And, and the your, price. Uh, the price. And every bit of it's recorded. And when somebody brought up, are you saying God gave it to him? He said, yes. But he said, that's not what I'm basing on because anybody can say God gave us the land. And the Bible does say that. We're saying we actually have a deed. And here it is. And it's been recognized throughout history. So, and if you go back and you actually start reading, you will find that it tells who sold, who bought, how much it was paid for. So it actually is there. Now, I would like to address something else. Uh, you know, this actually gives me an opportunity to uh, say something. And, and it's right in, it, frankly, as far as I can tell, Jacob, it's right within the context of what we're saying here that about particularly the book of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. It is there you go. a little bit of it, it's talking about that transition mm-hmm. and that relationship between uh, Yeshua, the Messiah, the new, uh, the ingathering of Gentiles. Millions that now have come into the kingdom of God through the work of, of the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, and, and and his relationship to the the in history, the 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 work right. of the Levites, the the Ark of the Covenant, yeah. the temple and that and, and so on. So this is this is part of the topic of the evening for the book of it, Hebrews. It actually least. does tie greatly into the book of Hebrews. I couldn't agree with you more. And and uh, and just briefly, of course, uh, are you Timothy? Are you pretty familiar with the Bible? Are you? Well, I'm, you know, fairly. Okay. I mean, um, are you familiar with in Romans where it says, uh, "All Israel shall be saved"? Um, no, see, now they brought up. Okay, but I'm asking if you're familiar with it because there is a phrase, well, and it says, "All Israel be saved." In fact, in uh, I think it's 25, 11, no, it's, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 11, verse 25, 26. It says, that's what happened to the Jews is for your benefit, mm-hmm. not for the Jews' benefit. I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, says Paul, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the time, only until the full number of Gentiles come to Christ. And so all Israel will be saved, as the scriptures say. The one who rescues will come from Jerusalem. He will turn Israel away from ungodliness. And this is my covenant with them, that I will take away their sins. And that's from uh, the book of Isaiah. That is correct. Chapter 59. And actually, and it says in Isaiah, it says in Jeremiah, and if that's not satisfactory, the New Testament, which did come down from Greek. Now, you know, Timothy, that the Old Testament came from Hebrew, correct? Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, let me share. Sure. The so following, the following verse, Timothy, uh, may be part of your understanding, and I want to get it in its context here. It says, "Many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news, and this benefits you Gentiles. Yet they are still the people He loves because He chose their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
And for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. And that, of course, relates to that passage that Jacob just read from the book of Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Uh, his covenant will, will stand. So I, I guess the, it seems to me that the big question here, Jacob, is a question of generalization. Well, no. here's the catch. And the reason I was asking you about the thing in Romans, it also says uh, not only will all Israel be saved, but a lot of people like to quote that verse that says, well, all Israel is not Israel. And the way they choose to argue that and interpret that, I've often found fascinating. Because they're saying, all Israel is not Israel. That means that all Jews aren't going to be saved. Yet we have the confrontation of Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Romans that says all Israel is going to be saved. So what is the other meaning of that phrase, all Israel is not Israel? It means that you don't have to be born a Jew to be part of Israel. All Israel is not just naturally born Jews. It's other people that came into Israel. Gentiles, we have been grafted into, the, into Israel, into now part of the people of God. And that yeah, all the that's redeemed, what, I was what it's saying is that. all the redeemed will be redeemed. Yeah. <laughs> and remember this. Yeah. When, you, when, you go, when you became, after uh, the story goes, you leave uh, Egypt. And then Exodus chapter 12, it says, names the uh, mixed multitude. There are other people who with them. When they get to Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments are given, now they weren't all Jews. They, they were other people who with them. When they get to Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments are given, then they wander in the desert for another uh, approximately 39 and a half years. What happens is by the... 40, the, but who's counting? Yeah. <laughs> but when you get to Israel, they're no longer called the mixed multitude. And when the land division is given up, who all these people are counted equally among each uh, tribe and the nation of Israel because they are what we might say grafted in or converted. Mm-hmm. And the point is, go ahead. I'm sorry. I wanted to say uh, interject here a little bit about you know we're grafted in and and we are Jews because we are of Christ. You know, we, we accepted Christ. He's our Messiah. Yeah. He's our, our Savior and our Lord, you know. So we are Jews through Christ. You, you know? know what's interesting? You ju- And I just paused to let you say that, and I'm so glad I paused. It was a beautiful segue because my next sentence was going to be this. Did you know that you can be part of Israel? But what tribe in Israel do you belong to? And uh, you can become the part of the nation of Israel. You're grafted in, as we know this, by the division of the land. However, the question is, what tribe do you belong to? And the person that brought you into the nation of Israel, whatever tribe they belong to, as the grafted in or convert, that's the tribe you belong so to. So I'm an Apache Indian from the tribe of Judah. There you because go. Yeshua, so the yeah. God, so Jesus was from the That's tribe funny. of Judah, and you just said perfectly <laughs> that he was your Messiah. Therefore, being from the tribe, you are included in the tribe of Judah, which technically makes you a Jew. So if all Israel is not going to be saved, and the Christians are going to have a lot of trouble because they're grafted in, well, my friend, that, I'm afraid that includes you. <laughs> We are going well, to have uh, a wonderful promise in that sense, isn't it? Yeah. I appreciate your very candid uh, answers because I really want to know if much about this thing. If it's really, a, like you say, they bring a few things to skew it to their um, what their point is. Yeah. But, you know. What do you think, so, uh, what do you think was the... Uh, since you have seen the video, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Marching to Zion, uh, I'd like. I think I will take time to see it and review it. W- what do you think was the basic message? What was the 
video actually trying to uh, what was the message it was trying to deliver? You know, there's, there's all thousands of people right now too, going on a computer, yeah, going could, marching. Could well be. We've just ginned up some interest in their in their site. But what, what do you well, think was the fundamental message of the of the video? Well, it's like uh, they uh, kind of abandoned the Bible, the, the 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 book. You know, from they don't already believe that Genesis and all this stuff. But I mean, like they they have this Talmud that they 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 go by it in Talmud. There's in there about Jesus being a a bastard son of a whore, oh, which I is so is Mary. Glad you address that. Let me tell you about that. That you know who brought that theory up and tried to use that was David Duke from the Ku Klux Klan. He didn't know what he was doing. Right? Let, let me just tell you this, and I'd like everybody in the world that's listening to hear this. Uh, where there is more than one person with the same of name. Course, uh-huh. There is a guy named Yeshua in there. There's two or three. But if you look at the dates it's recorded in there, it does not talk about Jesus, son of Mary, who you're calling the Messiah, uh-huh. because before him, it messes him by 125 years, and the one after him is 75 years after he had resurrected and ascended. So it's not the same guy. This guy found this. Of course, we all know Duke is not a fan of the Jews, nor blacks, nor Catholics, and I'm thinking probably not Indians. But but the point on, is, everybody likes so, he, so he actually came up with that. He saw it, and he said, oh, look what it's saying. They're talking. They actually mess it by and 125 years on one end, 75 years on the other. And I'm going to tell you. A different Jesus. Oh, there's two different ones because uh-huh. they're different times. See? But he found the name, and he thought that's what he's talking about. And I've mm-hmm. heard this so often. In fact, there was a rare scholarly uh, researcher that actually did all that research and cataloged it. I contacted him, and I presently am in possession of his actual notes. So, and I've looked up everything. The guy who put that out there, I don't know, it's such an easy thing to say, to say, oh, they wrote this, they wrote that. And by the way, let me just explain something. The Talmud is nothing more than commentary, different people's opinions. If you have ever picked up a book on the Bible in a Christian world and read a commentary, you're reading the Talmud. Uh-huh. It, it is not equal well, to scripture. I don't, no, no, of course not. It's commentary. Well, you know, it, it goes to say that you can't blindly follow yeah. what man says. And and so if you're not going to pursue on your own, like he said, you got to study to show yourself approved. So uh, that's the stuff you have told me has really kind of put a lot of uh, different Ideas that are, which I'm good. glad of. Good, good. Well, thanks for calling. So, we really yeah, appreciate it. I really it. do appreciate a, it. It's been a healthy call, and and I think it, it it does highlight the relevance of these passages. Again, Timothy, call anytime. We're glad to hear yeah, from I'd you. Love to hear from you again. Thanks. It represents the the relevance of of these scriptures, yeah, and it really Jeremiah, does. Hebrews, and it ties into the book of Hebrews, which we haven't got to yeah. yet tonight. But it does tie into. It. I know you got another caller there. Okay, let's see who we've got. I don't want to keep him waiting too awful long. Dylan is on line three. Let me get Dylan up. Dylan, I'm so sorry we had you wait for so long. But we were grateful that you did, though. Uh, we, we, you're on the air here. And we're out of time. And thank you for calling. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, kidding, no, no. I'm kidding. Are you with us, Dylan? Yes, sir. Uh, Jacob and Soapy, you. right? Yes, Soapy is my name, and, and uh, we know Jacob is here on the other side of the table. Thanks for joining us. No problem. I'm just praise God that I was able to uh, get in contact with you guys. Uh, so, Jacob, 
I don't know if you remember me, but I you asked me about my Zitsi at the Walmart this oh, past week. I did. This is the young. This is uh, the what is the Zitsi? Yeah. Well, t- explain it. Yeah, Tell us yeah. about it. Yeah, I did. You're right. So, a seats are basically fringes that are worn on the four corners of your garment. It could be worn on the. Uh, you know, on some of the prayer shawls that you commonly see, or, you know, it's almost like a, a tunic, but I just wear them on the sides of on my belt loops. Either uh-huh, way, uh-huh. it's a commandment in uh, Scripture, and it's almost like, you know, just part of, you know, being in covenant with the Lord. That's a, one of the fashion uh, accessories that Moses outlines for us in, <laughs> in the book a, of uh, Numbers, chapter 15. Numbers, yeah. chapter 15. He, he says you have these tassels that you so that was uh, that was Moses' contribution to the world of fashion. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's so right. that's what those are called. Okay. Yeah, and, he, and Dylan's absolutely right. I saw him. I saw him wearing them, and I stopped him, and I said, "Hey, uh, are you Jewish?" Uh, but go ahead. Uh, uh, go go ahead. with your side, Dylan. Well, uh, you know, I just uh, you asked me to get in contact with y'all, and uh, I wanted. I said I would, so I wanted to follow up with you. Well, right. appreciate you. And, uh, yeah, I'm, and you know, I'm just. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm just super excited. I have a, you know, I love talking about the Bible. I was listening for about thirty minutes of the conversation you had with Timothy, and uh, you know, I was uh, personally. I mean, it reminded me kind of uh, Ezekiel thirty-six and thirty-seven. After he talks about the Valley of Dry Bones, uh-huh. he speaks into the relevance of ga- uh, gathering the stick that he would write a frame and the stick that he would write Judah and then he would graft them in one hand and they would be one again and he would return them to Israel and they'd be they'd you know be ruled over one king David and uh you know that would be the moment whenever they return to Israel where Israel the land itself would be like restored and also Israel the tribes and, you know, the, the holy God, people yeah. that we've been called to be is going to be restored as well. Well, I, that's, a, that's a great I love that. That's a great summary right there from the book of Ezekiel, particularly chapter 36. I love that. that oh, and, and people have made great sermons out of that picture, uh, the, the Valley of Dry Bones. Uh, there have been so many great sermons and songs written about that, that, that imagery. Uh, of of the valley of dry bones, but then it follows up. You're you're exactly right. It talks about the um, restoration of Israel to the land and the restoration of God's people and, and their redemption. They're being restored and made strong and whole again. Um, now, I think one of the things we're dancing around here yes. a little bit, Jacob, yeah. is this this whole idea of and and you've already talked about it fairly straightly there about the idea that all the people of God. All of us now are considered Israel. It's not talking. It's not about ethnicity. It's not about uh, you know. Uh, it's not about genetics that we are this or that. Uh, it's not a racial in idea. It's about the people of those who love God, follow God, trust God, uh, have come and, and trusting through the the redemptive plan that God has given us in the Scriptures. That is that is the big picture. Some people call it like spiritual Israel, but frankly, I would say that that is actually truly Israel. And when you read about Israel in the Bible, when you read the word Israel, it's someone's asking me this morning uh, when I, uh, Dylan, when I I teach out at Lackland Air Force Base for the basic trainees uh, going into the Air Force. And they were asking me about they asked me a question about baptism. And I said, well, you know that 
the word baptism is just a word it and it doesn't always have anything to do with water and he goes oh really you know and it never comes that you know the word the word is just a word and of course there is a baptism that has something to do with water a ritual a religious ritual and so on but there's all there is also a spiritual reality of we're being merged into the body of into the people of god the body of christ and so on so there's a spiritual uh baptism well in the same way that there is a uh, there is a spiritual a more re- israel and that is the people of god and as jacob pointed out it's not ethnic or it's not uh, ethnically based it's uh, like he said, there were people who weren't Jews in the people uh, uh, in below Mount Sinai and went into the that went into the, the Promised Land and so on. So it's not yes, well, it's about, it's I mean, yeah, about the people of God in general. And that's a, sometimes when you read the word Israel in the Bible, it's talking about that particular Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the particular people of that moment, and God is dealing with them and working with them. But other times, it's talking about the bigger picture of all of God's people. And we will be ruled and reigned from a, a descendant of David's lineage, which, which we believe will be Messiah himself, that will be uh, who has taken that place. He is the descendant of, of David uh, from both. I would lands, completely I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And that, you know, and I, I completely agree with the whole, you know, it's not about anything ethnicity wise. I mean, we're human beings. And, you know, just like whenever he makes his new covenant, I think it's repeated by Paul. And I can't remember if it's in Acts or Romans. It might be Romans, Probably but it's both. also in Jeremiah. I think I know what you're going to say. Are you talking about that new covenant where he says, I'm going to write my laws on their hearts? It's the book of Hebrews. It's chapter 8 and chapter 10 of Hebrews. <laughs> yeah, and then it's also Jeremiah 19, I think. Oh, yes, it is. Exactly. That's where he gets it from. Yeah, so that being the case, you know, like, it doesn't, I mean, it, it, it's never said anything about, you know, this particular ethnicity. I mean, of course it talks about Israel, and obviously Israel has its lineage, but even whenever Israel, the northern tribes, after, you know, the one nation was split up, and, you know, and I believe that was in the time after Solomon. I, I don't want to cut you like, off, but keep, save it. We'll be right back from this break in just a moment. 340-9585. Give us a call. Have a look at your life. Dark was the stay. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Once again, Jacob. <laughs> Always have to remind folks, you're, you're so special, Jacob. We have to remind you especially that you are here with us. Um, okay. I'm um, you know, joking. Uh, Dylan, a little inside joke there. Yeah. We have been wanting forever to update these things, so we, we include both of us. But... Um, Soapy's a little slow on the draw, I guess. Uh, that's right. But Timothy's with us, and we are going to go nah, back and visit Dylan, with Dylan. him. I'm sorry, Dylan. We changed uh, callers there for a moment. And I'm so glad uh, Jacob was telling me in the break a little bit more about how you guys met. And uh, it, it really, really interesting to connect with uh, fellow believers out there in the community and uh, find out and learn from you a little bit. Uh, I was going to ask you a question. Do you happen to know who wrote 
or who is thought to be the the author of Psalm 119, Dylan? Well, I mean, I guess it would be I guess it would be David. I know uh, of Psalm 119, and just like you know how it has like all the words of the Hebrew alphabet and yeah. stuff like that. I I uh, I did not. Like, you know, I haven't, like, actually looked up anything or, like, did any hardcore research to verify, but I assumed it's David. Well, I think the assumption, it seems to be that that's not right in this one. Now, most people think that David perhaps wrote all the songs, but he did compile a number of those. Some of them came from, remember the King Hezekiah? God gave him 15 additional years of life. Uh, Hezekiah wrote five of the psalms during those 15 years that God gave him of additional life, uh, if you remember the story. Uh, There are others who did, and this particular psalm celebrates the scriptures, the Bible. Uh, It's 150 verses, and you're right. There are, I think, 25 letters in the Jewish... 22. 22. And and each one of the stanzas begin with a sequential letter of the 22 verses. Aleph, uh, whatever, and so on, so on, so on, right down through the alphabet. Yeah, it's a... If we if we saw a poem like that in English where every, where they had put it, all the first uh, verse started with the letter A and all the second verse started with the letter B, we would think, wow, that's astounding. That's amazing that they could. Well, this is what the Psalm 119 has done. But it all, almost every verse has to do with the scriptures, with uh, uh, God's word. And it actually it's written by Ezra. Remember Ezra's commitment to the scriptures was so powerful when the people of Israel returned from them, from Babylon. Uh, he, Ezra was one who came back and instructed them and guided them and was trying to remind them of who they are in God's economy and God's plan. And so uh, he read the scriptures to them and uh, they were weeping out in the rain. It, it was a beautiful scene. But Ezra is the one that is thought to have written uh, this great psalm celebrating the beauty, the power, uh, the authenticity, the reliability of God's word, so maybe, maybe it, it's a it's a special chapter, no doubt about it. Psalm 119, with its 150 verses, the longest the longest chapter in the Bible, actually. So yeah, yeah. Good. And and listen, uh, Dylan, uh, you're certainly yes, welcome to call in anytime you want. And uh, I wish you and your wife the best because Dylan's wife is expecting. Oh, is it your first baby? Yes, sir. It's actually uh, my firstborn son. And uh, great, Dylan. That's that's one of the uh, the reasons, not one of the reasons why I called, but the one of the reasons why I wanted to get in touch with Jacob again. I uh, I shared with him about you know it being my firstborn son, and I was seeking a mole to get him circumcised on the eighth day. Yeah, and I've actually made a couple of inquiries. I'm waiting for a phone call back. And I do have uh, your number from when I met you in the store, and I and I'm gonna as soon as I get a call back, we'll call and put you in contact with uh, one of these guys. That would be super awesome. I mean, I I, I understood that you uh, that you said you know some some you know may be hesitant to uh, you know circumcise if you know we don't have any Jewish descent, uh-huh. but uh, you know, and I'm not Jewish. You know, I do believe in you know that the whole Bible. And sent, you know, and and just like a general statement, the whole Bible is true, and it shouldn't have any contradictions. <laughs> so I kind of tried to attach, you know, like, you know, keeping the commandments and his instructions for a life, and also believing that the Messiah is, you know, my Savior and the Lord of my life, and you know, is personally, you know, 
my whole my high priest, my savior, Lord of my life, and just you know, yes. We know my everything, yeah. <laughs> we know that. I can't. I'm just sitting here smiling like a you know, like a crazy person. I, it's so thrilling to hear you, and uh, God bless you, young man. We're so thrilled, and best to your wife. And uh, may the baby continue to be healthy, and uh, you're going to give him that that gift, a favor for which he did not ask, <laughs> I guess. Uh, but uh, I know Jacob can help you with that as far as the uh, the. Um, uh, circumcision and all. Thank you for calling in. And again, you, like Dylan, Jacob said, call anytime, call please. Anytime, okay? Yeah, absolutely. And it was great talking with y'all. You know, God bless y'all. I hope y'all enjoy the rest of y'all's night. And, yeah. you know, I definitely would like to speak to you guys again. And, you know, God willing, anytime. maybe, you know, meet up or whoever, you know. All but right. thank you guys for y'all's yeah, time. Thanks. Good to talk with Dylan. Now, frankly, without knowing it, he segued us into when he's talking about he's my He's my savior. He's my high priest. He's my. We're actually segmenting it to some degree into the book of Hebrews there because that's why. Yes, he is. That's what that's what the book of Hebrews is about. Is how does Jesus, uh, how does Messiah fit into God's redemptive plan? Does he do away with the law? Does he destroy everything that went before? And of course, the answer is no. That it's a seamless a seamless tie. There, there. It's there's not this. This contradiction—it's—it's it's an increase as we see. Let me—if you don't mind, Jacob. There's one of these great passages in Hebrews, uh, the very first book, the first words in the book of Hebrews. I really—I think are some of the most beautiful, even poetically. They—they've uh, always touched me, but they—they they give this seamlessness. This—they—they they show this relationship right from the beginning between. The Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, what God showed the people of Israel, how God used the people of Israel, His promises, and, and how it it works right into the present moment um, in this age in which we live now, the age, uh, the the time of the Spirit, the the age of of this ingathering, the harvest, as, as millions of Gentiles being brought into uh, into Israel, made a part of God's people. It says, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. It was God speaking. Now in these final days, it says, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance, and through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven, and this shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. And so he goes on from that beginning to compare and uh, show that Jesus, uh, the Messiah, the, the, the Savior, the, this one who came to, to carry out the redemptive plan of God, the atonement, was indeed superior to the angels, superior to uh, religious systems, and, and so on and so on. He goes on and compares it to uh, even other leaders, legitimate godly uh, great leaders uh moses and others but that messiah is greater than any of them and of course if as we see later on G jesus and uh did meet <laughs> remember on the mount of transformation uh, jesus met with moses and and um and isaiah it was what what moses and isaiah on, on the mount of transfiguration he met with them uh moses and uh yeah um 
Was I don't. It? I don't remember, but I remember it's in Mark chapter nine. How's okay, that? I'll look it up. And make sure. But anyway, Jacob, take it from here. You're. I, I, I'm. I'm most interested in hearing what you're saying here about how this transition. This how, and, and help filling our listeners in on this whole idea. It, there is not this conflict. I guess what I'm trying to say, and it seems what, what the scriptures say, is there's there's not this conflict. There's not this contradiction. That it is meant to be a seamless continuance, right? Well, a, a there, message there is, a, yeah. And, and, of course, as we all know, that we really don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Right. Uh, a lot of speculations, a lot of guesswork. Some people think Peter. Some so, people uh-huh. think Apollos, uh-huh. that, that evangelist that we meet in the book of Acts. We do. Uh, some some thought, thought for a long time it was Paul. Yeah, exactly right. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, you know, there's a couple of things in the book book of Hebrew that really would make me have some concern about if it was really Paul or Peter. Elijah. I said Isaiah. It's it's Moses Elijah. and Elijah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Thank you. Was it Mark chapter 9? You're exactly right. Well, I remember that. Bingo. Chapter. You get a cookie. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank <laughs> you very much. Um, but anyway, so yeah, there's, it's very interesting because this book is obviously written to the Jews. Now, one of yes. the things I've often wondered, if they're going to sit down and write it to the Jews, then it's, got, it's, and it's a letter. And so you're wondering, they've got to address certain things. And there's some, two or three things in here that's very, very difficult for a person that's familiar with, say, like the pre- Levitical priesthood. Mm-hmm. And because there is an uh, understanding that the priests are the priests are the priests. And, and they're from the tribe of... Levi. So, and in here, of course, it says, well, we've got another priest from the tribe of Judah. Well, that, you know, immediately some Jews that are familiar with the Bible. up a red flag, right? Yeah, well, you're going to hear everything kind of, you're going to hear this grinding halt. Uh-huh. All right. But what's fascinating is the argument that is attempted to be made. Mm-hmm. And what they're saying is. What, where are you looking? Well, I was uh, just checking. Um. Uh, I'm looking for that well, point. Uh, yeah. Melchizedek in chapter 7. Greatest, yes, chapter greatest, 7. You're right. Uh-huh. Now, one of the... Oh, that's the priesthood, the Ironic priesthood, and he's saying that right. Melchizedek uh, was greater than... See, now, the argument they're attempting to make is is that... Uh, actually, let's, let's get that one cleared up. Good. Um, Melchizedek is not a Hebrew word. Right. It's two Hebrew words. It's Melchizedek. But they put it together... And it comes out Melchizedek. Well, if you're talking rapidly, it'll come out that way. <laughs> but uh, it's Melchizedek, which means king of righteousness. And it's just like when they call uh, uh, the the fellow that died on the cross or was let go in, in, when they crucified Jesus. Barabbas. Barabbas. Now, Son of a father. <laughs> yes. And see, there's really not a name in Hebrew, Barabbas. Bar is son Abba is father. So it's saying son of the father. But you even see a movie with Anthony Quinn because his name's Barabbas. <laughs> and I'm thinking, wow, hey. This that would is be all of us, yeah, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah. We are all sons of a so, father. But so what's fascinating Which is, is actually a, a, quite a symbol right there yeah. in our minds, right? But uh, so, go ahead, go ahead. It, 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 now tell us about Melchizedek, so who he was. Why is, it, why is he mentioned here in the book of well, Hebrews? Well, what's interesting from a Jewish point of view is uh, he's understood to be one of the children of Noah. Okay. Now, I, I, I know that it's going to say, well, we don't know about his genealogy. We don't know who he is. Well, that's going to be one of those little grinding halt things because Jews are going to say, wait a minute, I thought this was Shem, the son of Noah. 
No, because he's the king of righteousness. But I know it says that we don't know um, who his genealogy was. Well, uh, so that may be one of those. Oh, I see. That's one of the things that would make a, a Jewish person yeah, go, well, you say, wait a well, we well, do know. Well, we, we thought we knew. Uh-huh. Sorry, I guess we had it wrong, maybe. Huh? Anyway, but so that's one of those things. But I don't see those things as being crucial. Maybe one's right. Maybe they're both right. Maybe they're both wrong. Who knows? But I know this, that it does make a very clever argument that they're saying, look, if Melchizedek... So that's why you're asking who wrote the book, because you would like to know if it's a Jewish person or not. Well, that would tend to make me think it was not. Apollos was not, yeah. so that so would be interesting. Because if I, if I went to a knowledgeable Jewish person, he'd say, well, Melchizedek is, just means king of righteousness. Mm-hmm. If he's a king, what's his name? And the Jews would have understood it's supposedly Shem. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and I understand it does not say that in the book of Hebrews, but, you know, I don't see that as being a crucial stumbling point. No, uh, it wouldn't seem like it. But the point is, is that so the argument that's attempted to be made is that, look, from uh, Abraham's descendants, and then, you know, Isaac, Jacob had a son, Levi or Levi, and he became the priest. Now, that took off that way. But what about this first guy, what we're going to call in the Christian vernacular, Melchizedek? If he was our priest, well, could that have been, number one, our pre-incarnation of Jesus himself? I've heard that said. Mm -hmm. Or is it, can we have a priest that is a priest that's not from the tribe of... Levi, Levi, because uh-huh. Melchizedek, as the Christians use the term, was not from the tribe of Levi. And he yet, pre- he predated. Yeah, you go. He predated exactly. uh, Genesis chapter 14 sure. is where you tell we're introduced to this uh, prince of Salem yes. or uh, of righteousness. Uh-huh. And Salem means peace. Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, so what's fascinating is they're making the argument that, look, you don't have to be a priest from the Levites to be a priest because Melchizedek wasn't. That's the gist of the argument. Pretty, pretty clever argument. And it's because Abraham, who is a an ancestor of right. Levi, right. gave a tithe and and uh, showed respect to and reverence before Melchizedek. If you look in chapter 14, Abraham rescues Lot and then Melchizedek. Right. Remember, uh, Abraham, um, how is it? He returns after his victory over uh, Kedor Laomer. Mm-hmm. And all his allies, the king of Sodom, went out to meet him in the valley of Sheval, that is the king's valley. The king of uh, so, and Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and a priest of God Most High, brought Abram some bread and wine. And Melchizedek blessed Abraham with this blessing. Uh, and he said, "Blessed be be Abraham, Abram by God Most High, Creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has defeated your enemies for you." And Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. And so, so, so that's on that basis, then, the writer of Hebrews says mm-hmm. that the priesthood of Jesus is like right. the priesthood of Melchizedek right. and that it is superior to mm-hmm. the Aaronic in that oh. it predates. And, it predates. Yeah. And so, yeah, and it's in 7 verse 11 is where they're saying, and the way mm-hmm. they use it, it doesn't say that he was. A, uh, I've heard some Christians say that it was a pre-incarnation, etc. But if you look at 7.11, it says, according to the order of, like in that tradition of. Because it does say, I don't know what your version says, but I'm looking at the one that says, according to the order of. Mm-hmm. And so, and so 
if it is, it is. But the point that I find fascinating is the very tough issue that they're trying to logically lay out a pattern for mm-hmm. that um, that if there was a priest and he was not from the tribal Levite, then it's okay to have a guy that's not from the tribal Levite as a priest. And, there's, and so they're making the presentation mm-hmm. that Jesus being in heaven is of that order. Is of that. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, and that's a very interesting way of approaching it. You know, and I know that this is going to be probably our, and we only got a few minutes left. There is something very interesting that uh, Dylan mentioned. Yes. And it's in your uh, your number 10. Would you like to read it? Sure. We 10? have a question here. It says, um, the new covenant is superior to the old covenant. And, and I hope is that that's good verbiage. That's that, yeah, that's what it speaks of in the passage, right? Okay. The new covenant uh, is superior to the old covenant because instead of writing his laws on tablets, which no one can obey, God through Messiah makes us into new people and writes his laws where. And we've already mentioned the fact that and and, heart, and, yeah. and, and, and uh, Dylan brought up that they were God is writing his laws on our hearts and in our minds. Right. Yeah. Well, here's the interesting thing to me now. As you might say, as a outsider peeking in the window, Go ahead. when I read this, I think. Peek away. Well, I always think this is fascinating because if God's laws are done away with, well, God's writing them again and on people's hearts, which means that that's what, how he wants you to live. Mm-hmm. And it isn't talking about getting into heaven because at this point, Hebrews is way after Jesus. Mm-hmm. So the the salvation aspect from a Christian point of view is already over with. That's there. And now he's going to write the laws again on their hearts, which means exactly the Jewish understanding about these laws, that they do not get you to heaven, but they actually do tell you how to live in this world. And if he's writing these laws on the hearts in uh, 8 and 10, then it would seem that he's saying, look, I got your salvation taken care of. We did with Jesus. We're all good with this. The point is, I want you to know how to live. So I'm going to write them on your heart. And it says in uh, chapter 8 and chapter 10. And so it seems what I draw out of this from like peeking in the window is he's saying, look, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about how you live. And I'm going to write it on your heart so that you know how a human being is supposed to live. Yeah. And, and you've told us all along and others have told me as well that uh, generally speaking, yeah. the Jewish perspective and the, uh, of, of uh, the, this has to do with focusing primarily on how we are to live as God's people here on earth, how we're to honor. treat each other, how we're yeah. to. Uh, compor- honesty and, and right. truth telling and so right. and so and so. That's right. And and, and I've gleaned that and I I, I believe that. Now I, I have had a thought about that that I wanted to bounce off of you in the minutes we have left yeah. here. Is that you tend to? I hate to put it that way. I don't mean to personalize it or anything. No, like no, that, that's but, okay. But in your past, it's the other guys talking to us. Right? The other yeah. guys, yeah. The other. Uh, you tend to talk about the. You said the salvation part is taken care of the atonement, uh-huh. uh-huh. and, and and actually, if I understand correctly, uh, our well, I do understand our kiss, I, our view. I'll go ahead and just shape it that way. We don't think of salvation as just uh, atonement of sins, and you're going to heaven. Okay, that's a part of salvation. That's the open. That's the door, the okay. doorway 
to this relationship with God, but it's called justification. Right. Paul said, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the uh, justification is that part of our salvation where we are, where we are atoned, right. where our, our, our criminal record is expunged. We are cleansed. We are seen now and viewed by God himself in the courtroom of heaven right. as perfect, Sure. As sinless because of the work of Messiah. His and atoned is made of two words at one. At one okay, with yeah. him. So, so that's, but that's just the doorway right. to our salvation. The second, the, I would call it a phase of mm-hmm. salvation because we live in time and we experience life sequentially in the world we live in and as human beings. Then immediately upon justification, uh-huh. uh, what you would call salvation, we enter into what we would think of the second phase of salvation, which is called sanctification. And that's the phase where we are being... Uh, sanctification, in, humorously, is described as the process of becoming what we already are. Uh, God has made us holy, has made us righteous, and cleansed us in Christ, positionally, legally. Yeah. Okay. That's our standing. Right. But now we are... He is working within us by His Spirit mm-hmm. to change us and transform us into writing His laws on our hearts there and minds. Go. To where we, we it, but is it is not, it is actually continuation of the same salvation. It's a, it's a, it, that's part of the salvation as well. In other words, God did a turnkey job. He, did, he didn't say, okay, I've atoned, I've made you, I've got you heaven now, go out there and do your best. He said, yes, I've atoned, I've made you uh, fit for heaven, and, and we have a place reserved for you, but now I'm going to send my spirit, and he's going to help you. He's going to trans. He's going to supervise the transformation process in your life. Uh, he's going to make you holy. Remember, uh, sanctification means uh, being. We're being made holy. We've been made holy positionally, legally, but now He's working to make, help us to live it out, help us to experience. Well, that's holiness. not dissimilar. That for, yeah, that's not dissimilar from what the Jews okay. understand. Okay. Okay. Good. Uh, it's incorrect to say the Jews think that animal sacrifice has got them to go to heaven. That is not true. And doing the laws did not get them to heaven. Right. The laws in the Old Testament, the Tanakh, the Torah, have to do with how you live in this life on this planet, on this world. And so I hear what you're saying, and I, I can I can readily agree with that. I, it's it's not dealing with just the salvation aspect. It's dealing with, hey, you should be a righteous person, a holy person, mm-hmm. if you will, on how you live your day-to-day mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And so that is what the Tanakh or the Old Testament is about. It's telling you how to live in this world. It's important to know that God is committed to that as well. Or not. not just, I've saved you, now go out there and do your best. Right, but right. I've saved you, now I'm going to take your hand and I'm going to guide you and help well, you and you change know, you. And what always gets me, and I re- I've read this, and I said I was looking at it today, and I thought, you know, right here at chapter 8, chapter 10, he's saying it twice in the book of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, I'm writing it on your heart. Well, that would tell me that this must be the way God wants people to live in this world. Else he wouldn't be putting them back in. Also, I think it's Hebrews. Is Hebrews, it talks about the transformation, the renewing of our mind. Um, or is that a different? Let me, I'm trying to find. No, it's Romans. Romans 12. Okay, I thought it was Hebrews. But uh, it talks about the process. A prestigious w- mistake for the book of Romans. <laughs> well, that, that we are actually, that he, we are in a process as God's people, that he is renewing our mind. Uh, oh, I got the book of Acts. Come on, Soapy, get it right here. This is not my 
my sword drill Bible. <laughs> uh-huh. But um, it says, therefore, being just, I mean, oh, we're already out. Oh, isn't that a shame? This has been a great conversation. I wish we had another hour to do it. All right, I do too. Tell them what so you always tell them. Always remember, you should always be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. Helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Sophie every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.